the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me. It's astonishing, truly astonishing. Anybody that tells you this is a coincidence is truly a moron and guaranteed to be a Democrat. There's a reason that all of this is happening right now, and that is because the most important story, bar none, is the fact that we learned today from Abate. Turns out the FBI has an Italian guy? I didn't know that. Russell, your ass. Hey, 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 Tony, take it easy. Take it easy. Grasso, take it easy. Tony, we're going to I was just as shocked as Tony to find out there's an Italian FBI agent. I thought it stood for forever bothering Italians. This American KGB has known that the feeble fascist and the entire upper echelon of the Democrat Party is a big, giant, pay-to-play scheme mafia. Until recently, the department did not track DEI. Wait, wait, wait. Here it is. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Abadi, let me just... Stay with you. You just started to answer Senator Blackburn's question that not releasing the 1023 or talking about it as a matter of life and death, question of life and death, you said. Explain. It is potentially a question of life and death for whom? With regard to the source of the information. So, okay, so now we've confirmed that the document exists. That's progress because the FBI director initially denied that it exists. Why did he do that? We, we have already and previously acknowledged the existence of the documents. Yeah, after you first denied it. Now, when a member of this committee read it, right, the FBI director, let's just get the record straight. The FBI director initially said it doesn't exist. Then Senator Grassley said, I've read it. Then he said, oh. do you know what the penalty is, Squirrel, uh, for lying to the FBI? If this was you, you'd be doing a year and a day, no questions asked. You go to jail. Just ask Martha Stewart. You go to jail. Next thing you know, you're at parties with Snoop Dogg, naked on a lazy Susan. In the meantime, they get to lie with impunity, and they lie knowingly. And what does the lie lead to? The fact that the sitting president, although he doesn't know it and he's sitting in his own urine, the sitting president is an asset of enemies, foreign, we know. And we also know about the domestic, but we're used to unions. Oh, okay. Well, gotcha. I guess it does exist. Now you're going back and forth with members of this committee. What's in it? Why do you just release it? By the way, I just want to keep you updated. The news, breaking news, breaking news on every channel, all three channels in Studio Xanadu. Uh, Trump is heading back to New Jersey. Are you freaking kidding me? Is it classified? The document is not classified. Okay. Will you commit to releasing it? Senator, we'll take that back, and we will work with you in this committee. Uh, How about just a yes or no? Will you commit to releasing this unclassified document that alleges that the president of the United States... You know, what I like about this is it reestablishes the fact that you, who are busting your ass and paying for these frauds and these whores, you're not entitled to see anything. 
You're just a plebe. Now, see, I view things differently. There's not a human being, including that dimwit in diapers, that is more qualified to see anything than me. Not a one. I don't have that slave mindset. Do you? States. The president of the United States has taken $5 million or more in bribes from a foreign nation. The document has already been released pursuant to a subpoena to the House Oversight Committee. Has it, it been released be to this committee? The staggering statistic, isn't that is this idiot is just covering, I don't know what, just continuing to cover lie after lie after lie. They know he was paid $5 million from an oligarch that this country, as we speak, is funneling hundreds of billions to. And we already are missing. God knows how much money. And the FBI knew it. And he's sitting there like he's waiting for oatmeal at Lou Mitchell's. You moron. We'll work with this committee within the parameters that are established. to meet Will you the release the document to the public? It's unclassified. Don't you think the American people have a right to see it? Uh, Senator, the document, as you know, contains sensitive information that has bearing on the life of of the source of the information potential bull dung you fracking moron it's the former soviet union everybody there is in danger of dying haven't you been reading the papers not to mention they're living with azov nazis who have been killing people for eight years you can redact the source's name we do this all the time in some instances senator and i know you know this that is not sufficient when somebody says to you i know you know this they're basically calling you a moron don't ever take that on face value. That's like when a two-bit Democrat says, I'll be honest with you. You know they're a fracking liar. To protect people. And that's what we strive and work to do each and every day. And I hope... Really, really. The FBI strives and works to protect people. How many people have been killed by, I don't know, say, cartel assets in this country? How many people have been killed by drugs that the FBI knows full well? The phones, where the location, and all the rest of it. How many just Chicago Democrats have been victims of the FBI working a source? You would take that seriously, too. I don't take anything you say seriously, Abate. I feel the exact way Tony Soprano feels. There you go. Right to you there, Abate. Oh, I take it very seriously. But I also take seriously the fact that your institution has repeatedly abused its authority has repeatedly targeted political opponents. Your institution is the one that went to the door of pro-life protesters with SWAT teams to try and intimidate people because of their speech. Your institution is the one that treated parents as domestic terrorists. It's uh, 13 minutes after the hour and knew the breaking news. Trump is headed back to New Jersey after uh, pleading not guilty. Breaking, breaking news. Because of their speech, your institution is the one that, according to the court, the FISA court, ran 278,000 unwarranted, probably illegal queries on Americans, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. No more FISA court. No more FISA court. And as for the FBI, your new building, you think you're going to cash in and kickbacks to all your pretend construction guys? That's off, too. Oh, wait, we can't. We uh, raised the debt ceiling, and they're going to get all that stuff anyway. That was your institution, correct? There, the, with respect to the compliance incidents, yes, some of the other things you cited, we can take them one by one. They are not compliance. You, you would characterize the unlawful querying 278,000 times of American citizens as compliance issues. The reason this is important 
is that today the Democrat mafia and their corrupt, fat-ass judges, like the ones who sit on the Table of Wisdom LLC with Ed Burke, they're going to railroad some other innocent, innocent person who knew that Joe Biden stole the election and went to, to protest in January 6th. And now the new precedent is set. It's going to be 14 years now as they start to track people. How about for their climate protest that happened just six months after January 6th. A coalition of climate activists are taking to the streets of the nation's capital today to bring awareness to climate change. According to one of the protest organizers, the group shut down D.C. plans to block streets and cause a traffic shutdown throughout the area and send a message to the political elite. The protest is time to coincide with today's United Nations Climate Action Summit in New York. Climate activists and leaders, including 16-year-old Greta Thunberg, are scheduled to speak at the they event. They created just as much monetary damage to the Capitol at January 6th. Just as much. How many were tried? Gatsangul, let alone 14 years. And the FBI, they had assets all in the crowd. For all we know, the FBI did the damage. But the one thing we know for sure, they don't tell the truth, ever. We've said before, I've said that the totally unacceptable. Who's been uh, fired for it? Individuals involved uh, are handled through the disciplinary process. Who's been fired for I expect this from a short-in-the-pants Irish guy, but really? Abate? We have, there in, the, in the case of the uh, unintentional instance where something similar happened, we have fired people in the past. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what, what does that word salad mean? The unintentional instance. Then they go work at the CIA? Where do they go? Or maybe it's ATF? Where, where, where exactly do your fired assets to the Democrat mafia go? Since we're some, what, what does that mean? Who's been fired for the 278,000 times that you improperly or illegally queried the database for American citizens? When we Anybody? Find, when we find intentional incidents. Were you saying that the 278,000 queries were unintentional? I believe that's correct. I believe that's correct. Listen, if you're ever uh, unfortunate enough to get fingered by the American KGB calling themselves the FBI, if you answer like this... You're going to the Huskow. Now, they got a little workout program. The sleep is a little unsteady, and the outfits suck. But you go to jail. This idiot, he gets to retire. Wow. 278,000 times American citizens' information was queried by your agency unintentionally? That's your testimony? I would want to go back and check that, Senator. You fracking liar. Everybody, even your wife, knows you're lying, dummy. Who was fired for the lies to the FISA court for the Carter Page warrant? Who, who, who was fired for that? Anybody? Has anybody been held accountable for your institution deliberately lying to a FISA court to get a wiretap on an ongoing presidential campaign? There is an ongoing disciplinary process with respect to individuals involved in that. Squirrel, breaking news. Trump starts appeal to voters just hours after his arraignment. Breaking news, all three TVs. This is the Pravda to the USSA. We're done calling it the USA when this mafia runs every bureaucracy. And we pretend that this dimwit who soiled his trousers is the president. Here's the deal. You're back in front of us asking for the reauthorization of extraordinary authorities. Multiple courts have uncovered extraordinary abuses perpetrated by your agency. You are at the same time concealing information about serious allegations made against the President of the United States, even as your institution also targets his chief political opponent in an unprecedented way. Why would we ever give you 
the blank check that you want to continue surveilling American citizens in an improper manner. Why would we- I can answer that, Josh Holly? Because you don't control anything. You don't control anything. And now the Republicans who said they were going to fight for justice, they just funded it all. That's why. And you can't stop it. You're held harmless. You can do guts on ghoul. You ever do that. Senator, we're here to talk about reforms today. I did get confirmation that the query... No, we're not. We're here to talk about the reauthorization of Section 702. Why would we reauthorize... Write that down, squirrel. Because I'll bet you $50 to your nickel that uh, 702 gets reinstated. Because the Democrat mafia controls the Senate and what I guess we still call the White House. It's no coincidence they indicted me the very same day that it was revealed that the FBI hid explosive evidence that Joe Biden took a $5 million illegal bribe from Ukraine. Next, Hunter will probably be charged with some very minor offense so that the FBI and DOJ can pretend that they're fair. Just a crazy situation. Ours? It's not a crazy situation. It's exactly what La Cosa Nostra, pretending to be a representative republic, has to do to cover its ass to keep the simpletons who aren't in on the mafia complacent from knowing they're just useful slaves. Now vote Democrat. 312-642-5600. Make money, smoke cigars, and live free on The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. Demonstrators gathered outside the Miami courthouse for Trump's historic arraignment. This is how you get these jobs. That's why they're all children. Look at these simpletons. They couldn't even work for the reporters that used to be reporters 25, 35 years ago. These are simpletons just mouthing whatever the hell they're told to do. It's a preposterous situation. And I've got George from Naperville wants to know how this looks to other countries. They're all corrupt like this. We've just devolved into some quasi-Soviet corrupt hellhole like Ukraine. Arguably the most corrupt nation until we decided to work with it, you know, in favor. By the way, this clip that I'm going to play, this is no longer available on the World Wide Web. Convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the... 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference. I said, no, nah. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. You mean somebody who would look the other way. Hey, whore, was that before? Not you, Kamala. Hey, whore, you with the white wet pants. Was that before or after you got the five million to put your crack smoking sister in law banging whoremongering son as a pretend member of the board? Hey whore, talking to you. Not you, Abate. That given your track record of abuse and illegal improper surveillance and political targeting, why would we do Oh that? come on. Anybody from Mulrose Park knew all that stuff. That's been going on for half a century. 
crooked KGB calling themselves the FBI. Bob in Oak Lawn. Yeah, so the best part about all this, Grassley revealed yesterday that there's recordings that go with the 1023 to Marisa, but yeah. got Mike on tape twice, and he's got his son 15 times talking about a bribe. Yeah, Bob, it would help, too, though, if Grassley didn't sound like he died in February. That might help our case. Oh, yeah, I know. It was very boring the way he presented oh, it, but at least he presented it. He put it on record in the Senate. So. Bob, do yourself a favor. At least we got that going for it. Yeah, but, you know, Bob, I love it. I love it, too. I really do. But uh, Peter Schweitzer broke this stuff 15 years ago in Culture of Corruption. You know what these whores are. That's why I call them what they are. Oh, they pretend to be rich and statesmen, but you can buy and sell them. The difference is the comma moved over. They're not like a Chicago alderman you could buy for a few hundred, probably like uh, half of their sisters you bought on Madison Avenue during a Hawks game when the stadium was built. Rich, Indian Head Park. Hey, Sean, how are you tonight? Wonderful. Listen, Sean, uh, all I'm hearing is all of this uh, corruption that Biden's involved in, how he's taking... Uh, uh, $5 million in bribery uh, payments. Secret Empires, the that's the name is, of the book. Go ahead. When the hell is the Republicans going to put this guy up for impeachment? I got good hmm? news for you. I got good news for you. It's like he was looking at my board. Mr. Speaker, Joe Biden has failed the American people. He's failed to uphold his oath of office and preserve and defend the Constitution. From illicit family building, uh, business dealings, and millions of dollars and bribes and payments to himself and to his extended family. Joe and his border czar, Kamala Harris, have allowed an invasion at our southern border, jeopardizing the lives of hundreds of thousands and killing hundreds of thousands, thousands with fentanyl. They have directed their border patrol to release illegals into our country unfettered. In fact, the judge even had to intervene and stop Biden's release program. Joe Biden has violated Article 2 of the Constitution to take care and respect the laws of this country. So, Mr. Speaker, that is why I'm introducing articles of impeachment against Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Breaking news, squirrel. Trump raises money. After pleading not guilty. You see, that's an actual congressman from Tennessee. His name is Ogles. And he, on the floor of the Capitol today, said he's drawing up articles of impeachment and not one, one news outlet is covering it. Not one. And all I have to say to that man from Tennessee is, thank God. Now draw him up and get it started. And I don't care if you can remove him or not. Stand for something, damn it. Or before you know it, we'll have some dimwit with dementia destroying our country. Oh, wait a minute. Tony, Riverside. Hi, Sean. So I think it's gotten to the point where we need to band some posses together, and then we will be called the Barney Fife posses, <laughs> and we'll do, we'll do citizen arrest, citizen arrest, because nobody else is doing it. Tony, well, here's the other thing. At the, simultaneously from this, number one, all information of just how corrupt this dimwit in diapers is, all information is being stifled, and... In Washington, D.C. right now, they're trying to make it a minimum of 14 years for protesting this yeah. political mafia. And the FBI 
what we now know, has been surveilling at least what we, come on, you know it's way more than 280,000 people. They're surveilling, oh, yeah, every, for sure. they're surveilling everybody, the, the exactly. American KGB, this RET organization. Sorry, boys, that's the way it is. But I didn't have much respect for you anyway, not just because I'm from Melrose Park, but because your headquarters in Chicago is a quarter mile away from Mike Madigan, and you did guts on ghoul for 50 years as he built an empire of corruption. Now you just want to kick back in it, huh? Was your pension worth it? Huh? Traders? 312-642-5600. He will never negotiate his constitutional rights with the government. Live free or die on The Sean Thompson Show. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Breaking news, squirrel. Now, supporters of the former president, Donald J. Trump... Protest online following the indictment. The fact that a congressman announced he's drawing up articles of impeachment never mentioned. The fact that the FBI, forever bothering Italians, or the American KGB, which I prefer, knowingly hid evidence of the sitting in wet pants president is an asset of oligarchs and we're sending them billions of dollars, not to mention the weapons. Not to mention the weapons. And they knew about it. And they sat and protected him. None of that's on the news. But uh, former president's protests online after the indictment. And when you think about online, before, Scott, hang on, I'm going to get to you. This is the head of the U.N. What's his name? Antonio Guterres. Whatever. Digital platforms are being misused to subvert science and spread disinformation and hate to billions of people. This clear and present global threat demands clear and coordinated global action. So now the head of the U.N. with his smarmy accent, he wants to practice more censorship instead of eliminating it all. And he has to because the U.N. runs on scams and money laundering and frauds. So whether it's global warming or whatever new military industrial complex scheme they want to profit from, the last thing they need, people like me calling them what they are, thieves. Scott South Barrington. Hey, Sean, uh, you just underscored how, like, Gowdy with the one with the dopey uh, child's haircut, why he's the enemy within the gates, the Fox guy. What, you know, he said he's a lawyer, right? He should, he should have caught this. When you look at the indictment, it says, first of all, you stay, in the indictment, they show hundreds of boxes, those banker boxes, hundreds of them in the, in the ballroom and closets and other closets in the basement. There's at least 100 boxes. From Bed Bath & Beyond. You take a ream of paper, right? There's 500 sheets in a ream of paper. And you put one ream of paper in one of those banker boxes, it looks small. I think it's designed to hold 10, 10 reams, which would be 5,000 sheets, right? Yes. So they're saying 100 documents. And they're showing all these boxes. And this is in the indictment. But Gordy, that Fox will sell like a lot of them, he's sitting there condemning Trump about, well, what's what he said to his lawyer, by the way. And he doesn't have the entire thing that Trump announced on in the thing. He doesn't even have the evidence. This is exactly why this Fox... These are really the enemy. We all know CNN is corrupt yes. and all those, but the Fox will cry out loud. I couldn't agree more with you. The, the, the admission to me was if you know anything about Rupert Murdoch and his kids. Uh, the the yeah, third or fourth wife was the Chinese. Did you see that, Starlet? You think she liked that Magoo-looking freak because he had a, a strong character and a witty sense of humor? 
and he she infiltrated Fox, right? She's clearly a member of the Chinese Communist Party, like Feng Feng. And then you've got Paul Ryan, Ryan yeah. who sat on the board. Paul Ryan, oh, Paul Ryan is a real never worked oligarch, American oligarch, who made all of his money by selling policy and front running. He's like Nancy Pelosi without the cleavage. Thank you very much, Scott. The That's only one, to... Maria is the only one. Maria is the only one. I'll tell you what, we don't have an outlet. We don't have an outlet. We have AM radio. You have podcasts, and you have a couple of hosts. I don't think many are left on Fox. I don't know. They're all getting axed, and if not, they're in the middle of lawsuits and they can't say anything, like our judge with the baby oil legs, who I love. Uh, Tom in Blue Island. Hey, Sean Ditto's brother. Hey, you're right. They won't. They'll never convict in an impeachment trial. But the, the objective has to be the trial. It's just like the, the you know the kind of the thesis of your first half hour. There is yeah. the media will be forced to cover an impeachment trial, and all the evidence they'll be able to bring out the evidence of what they've been doing, just like they did with Trump. Those impeachment trials proved that it was BS, and with Biden, it's going to prove how corrupt they are. And they'll have the evidence for everyone to see. Tom, what we're experiencing is the reason that our ancestors left corrupt, socialist, communist, despotic countries from around the world. This is what we're living in. This is the dissolving of an America built on any kind of rule of law. There is no rule of law when gangsters are in charge of it. It's not law. And that's why they're finding excuses to give away sovereignty to the U.N. so we'll have censorship. Or how about this idiot? What's her name, honey bunny? Mandy Cohen. Mandy Cohen. She's going to be the new CDC director. So I would call, probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. She worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but, you know, when she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional um, uh, football? And I was like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, (laughs) uh, Isn't fascism funny? This valley girl, sorority tramp, who did nothing but make mistakes about the masks, about the vaccine. She's the new CDC dictator. And they got more power than you think they got. Um, so, uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or, or I'd be so like, so like, are you going to think about lightening up a mess? Or like, so you're like, next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. <laughs> think about that. When are you going to think about lightening up on masks? I think next Monday. These are the morons that are in charge of our lives. Now, America's not supposed to be like this. She's supposed to be just what she is. Some moron waiting to collect a pension. Instead, she became a demigod. Uh, George Naperville. Sean, by making uh, Trump jump through hoops at his will, isn't he a much more valuable asset to these crooked people he's in cahoots with in these countries? He's keeping Trump at the forefront, and they're doing all these things, getting away with They might go into Taiwan. <laughs> look at how There's he's delivered. Oh, sorry. you can't say that. Look at, look at how he has delivered on being a traitor to his nation. He's delivered hundreds of billions of dollars to the most corrupt European country on the planet. No questions asked. I know, squirrel, I know. I Hundreds of billions. Hundreds of millions stolen. The only functioning business in Ukraine is the Bentley dealership. That's it. They're disappearing. They're showing up all over the place with our money. 
The wife of a Ukrainian politician has been caught allegedly smuggling $28 million and 1.3 million euros in cash. And it doesn't matter. We're just going to. So he delivers to the guys who bribed them $5 million. Here you go. Here's over $100 billion and weapons, no questions asked. And he delivers to the Chinese Communist Party because every one of his policies, every one of his fascistic eco-Nazi policies, weaken our country and strengthen the Chinese Communist Party. He's delivering. That's money well spent. You bought yourself a short-in-the-pants Irishman who turned out to be the president. Good for you, communists and oligarchs in Ukraine. Steve, Chicago area. Hey, thanks for taking my call. So... Um, if Hillary Clinton is, was actually guilty of criminal activity with the email servers, why is it that when Trump had four years, two attorney generals he appointed, four acting attorney generals, and God knows how many you know, attorney generals in charge of the criminal division, why did none of them ever have her prosecuted? Trump well, controlled I, the Department of Justice for four years. But if you remember, you maybe it was the FBI. If you remember, it was the FBI. And they came before Congress and they said, well, she did something wrong, but it's not worth going after. And then you have to well, think, okay. Steve, you're in the Chicago area, brother. You're in the Chicago area. If if I were elected mayor tomorrow, could I change one thing in Crook County? Now, I'm not. Listen. And by the way, what you're saying is why I've criticized Trump, what you're saying. But you have to understand these bureaucracies of corruption are built over decades. And it's not just the, the hierarchy we see. It's the tier under them. And then there's the honest bureaucrats who never get ahead. How many ATF guys or DEA guys or guys you know that worked in the government who were honest said, it's just disgraceful, it's disgusting. How many FBI agents quit in the last seven years? So to your point, you're right. He should have made more of a push to do all of those things, and especially Hillary Clinton, who's the layup of all layups. She's been crooked since Whitewater. So... Sean, yeah. you've, ne- you've, never li- you've never lived in the world of being an FBI general or a federal prosecutor, okay? No, I have the, not. The level, the, okay, I have, okay? All right. 18 years, okay? The, the level of proof and admissible evidence that goes, that has to support a prosecution to get proof beyond a reasonable doubt is enormous for any citizen, be it Hillary Clinton or anybody else. And again, when you had judgments over four years, that she should not be prosecuted. And by the way, the FBI director, who I didn't respect very much because he had a big mouth, he was a career re- lifelong Republican. Call me. He's not oh, yeah, no, no, not lifelong, brother. He supported Gus he Hall was, in 1972 a, as a, a communist. He, he admits it. He's on tape, brother. And, and, let me, and, let, all right, and let me ask you one other question, okay? Right. Yes. Let's assume you're right about Hillary. Let's assume she should have been prosecuted. Yes. Okay? Let's make that assumption. Well, you made that, you so made that assumption. I, I think she got away with the perfect crime like she did when I was at the Mercantile Exchange. No, and, Dittmer, the whole, the whole and Tom Dittmer are, cooked the books, so she, she, she made the $150,000 with a trade that was impossible. What I'm suggesting to you is simple. Her clout, and you're in Chicago, her clout is so big and so powerful that the evidence that would be condemning has been swept and erased. That's what I'm suggesting to you. Okay, if let's you, assume you're right. I'll, let me just, I'll get, I, I totally disagree with you, but let's assume you're right. All so right. here's the next question, okay? Right. Let's assume someone is guiltier than sin of murder. There's no question about it, okay? Right. And for some reason, they are never prosecuted. Right. Maybe they had political influence, clout, corrupt. They never got prosecuted. Does okay. that mean the next person that's 
likely guilty of murder should not get prosecuted because someone not. else didn't get prosecuted. I would never make that argument. That's your entire argument. I would that's never make that argument. I am not making you your argument. That's the entire That's the entire. You're putting, you're putting positions in my mouth that I never said. Here, when you talk about this particular instance with Trump, which is what you're alluding to, I never said anything other than the fact he was the president. All he had to do was say, I declassify it. And now you're suggesting he had to do that with a recording. Do you understand what the he's the only one in this discussion, Hillary and Joe Biden. He's the only one with the authority to declassify anything. He could have declassified it and wiped his ghoul with it. Now what? Sean, Sean, all I've heard since leaving. I like that point. Wait a minute, though. All you I've just heard, addressed the point. The I've been arguing with Democrats my whole life. So Did you hear my point? Did you hear my point? I just want you to address it. Was he the president? He's the only one of the three that had the authority to declassify. The only one. And he declassified whatever he said he declassified. I take the paper and I wipe the ghoul. Declassified. And then I rub it in Comey's face, who, if you don't know, supported Gus Hall. You sound like a wonderful guy. Do your research. He was a communist in 1972. When I'm sure your age... Didn't like communists back then, right? Now all of a sudden, he's a man of honor. He's a communist. And our government is corrupt. Now I know a lot of Chicagoans are used to it. But it isn't right. 312-642-5600. I was listening to the Sean Thompson show. I'm saddened that this guy supposedly represents us. I mean, I am appalled. He's just disgusting. Sexist. Pig. An absolute disgrace. Thank you. AM 560. The answer. I want Steve to know I went into the commercial break. I didn't hang up on you. I could have had that conversation with you all day long, and I would have loved your take on Whitewater. Where for nine years, the Clintons, along with the McDougals, robbed seniors on landlocked phony swampland. They stole millions. And the Duchess of Chaffington, when she was truly grotesque. Did you ever see her, Squirrel? Oh, in the 80s? Her toilet seat and pillow had the same view. She shredded paper for Rose Law Firm. You, that's what she should have went to jail for. She stole from old people. But Democrats don't mind. You don't care. That's why all the Democrats supported that short-in-the-pants yard gnome, Mike Madigan, for five decades, shaking down honest businesses. So they could get their taxes where they could afford it. Using his pretend law firm and his dimwit son, the lobbyist. You pretend it's normal. None of it's normal. And it none of it should exist in this country. Go back to those third world hellholes you came from. You know, the ones that you're turned our country into now. Where it's normal to sell out and be a traitor. Because that's what they are. They're not Democrats with clout and power. They're traitors. Not you, Steve. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about all of those idiots. Ironically, you're arguing on behalf of, which I can't figure out why good people do that. I really can't. I really can't. And I have no respect for anybody who pretends that this is not a mafia government. When you have evidence after evidence after evidence. John, Northwest Indiana. Yes, John. Yes. Yes. Uh, I can see the scenario if the these tapes are... Uh, proven that uh, Joe Biden uh, will yeah. magically come down with really bad dementia and they'll take the 25th. 
Kamala comes in and pardons the entire crime family. It's possible, John. I mean, you've always got that. He's been, everybody knows he's sick. Everybody knows he's sick. It's humiliating and embarrassing. And not to mention, I, 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 I don't mind Humpty Harris being in there. I think she should no, negotiate with the Saudis like no other. Get her up on the table, start clapping her hands, and let's cut a peace deal. 312-642-5600. I'll be back. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody... I am really looking forward to talking to my next guest. He's a lifelong student of history. He also served on the board of of trustees for the Pittsburgh's Heinz History Center. He's the author of a few books, and his new book is out. It's called Our Flag Was Still There, the Star-Spangled Banner that Survived the British in 200 Years. Tom McMillan, how are you? Sean, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, I have to tell you, when I, uh, you know, I get to see what you, who you are and, and the book you wrote, this is a song that to this day I have a hard time getting through because I, like you, love history. When you look at what these guys did after the wars with the Indians and the wars with the British and all the rest of it, I think a problem we have in this country today is that so many people in it have no idea of the history of it which is why they have no pride in the founding of the only country that was founded on the Enlightenment and the individual. I, I, I think this is something we need to work on, and I love when people like you write books that does just that. Well, and, and that's, that's the idea. It's, it's, it, you want to be able to tell history and teach history. And I'll tell you, to the point of what you said, I consider myself, Sean, a pretty good student of history. When I was digging into this story, I was amazed at the things I didn't know. So even some of us who, who studied a lot, yeah. uh, there, there's so much of our history that we don't know, and, and, and we need to know that. And then, you know, I wrote a book on Flight 93 from September 11th, and this one, and, and I, I think it's just important to get, get those stories out there. History isn't taught as much, and, and it, it, it kind of, we have to find out where we came from. And I think you know, this is part of it. And, and that, that's, you know, the War of 1812 and Fort McHenry, we just, we know snippets of it. And I was so fascinated in what I found by doing the research. You know what else is fascinating to me? I, I, I do this a lot. I had a, uh, a cousin who I never met was killed in Vietnam. He was barely 19 years old. And I look at how young all of these guys are, even today. The Afghanistan, I, I, I think like the average age was like 23 the, the officers are 27. But when you go back in history, you realize these guys were even younger, weren't they? They were just as young, certainly. Uh, yeah. it was, it, it's, always been, it's always been young men. And, you know, sometimes in, in this war, it, it, this was only, you know, World War II was 36 years after the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a challenge to our country right away. And you think, you know, we don't know much about that war, but it turned out differently. The f- whole future of the country that turns. And, and I think Fort McHenry was such a big part of that. And the flag was such a big part of what happened to Fort McHenry. And just because it still exists today, 
more than 200 years later for a pa- for a fabric to exist that long. How did that happen? And that was part of kind of the story. I wanted to tell the story between Fort McHenry and the Smithsonian today, and I found it was a fascinating journey. So refresh our audience here on uh, the the particulars. Well, George Armistead was the commander at Fort McHenry. Uh, took over in 1813. The war was not going well for the Americans at that point. Uh, Baltimore was the third largest city in the country at that time, so it was a really important port, port and they knew the British were coming. And, and one of the things he wanted, other than the physical defense, is he, he wanted the flag so large the British couldn't help see it from a distance. So the flag was his idea, and it began almost as a symbol of defiance. But but also confidence. You know, we talk about managers and coaches in sports. They want to they want to build culture. Well, that was the culture he wanted to build at Fort McHenry, and that flag flew there for a year before the battle. And he's out in the water during the battle. He sees it. He writes the anthem. You know, people generally know that. I get into the real details, but they generally know that story. But what fascinated me was why does the flag still exist? And it existed because George Armistead, a few years after the battle took that flag down from the flagpole, took it home as a souvenir, in, 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 actually in violation of Army regulations. He kind of took government property, but he took it home. And it remained in the private possession of his family three generations for 90 years until they gave it to the Smithsonian in 1907. Tom, I'm in my 50s, and um, I'm so thankful that I am because I remember not just songs being written about the flag, but the citizens from all over, I lived in a, in a neighborhood that had multicultural people. Every single one of them had a certain love for the flag. Even most of them had accents. It's only now that the idea of a flag has become a, a symbol of evil or, or slave masters or fascism. And I think that, too, is very strategic. And I'm curious to know your opinion. When did that, in the last, I believe it's the last 20 years, it's strategic to make a, 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 our flag a symbol of hate, isn't it? Well, Sean, I, to be honest, as, as, as a historian writer, as a historian and writer, I try to just write about the history of what's going on. I know everybody, you know, yeah. wants the partisan part of it, but I just, my, I'm just wrapped up in the history here and wanted to tell this story. And I think yeah. it it can it can inform us today if we know why we are where we are. I think when I when I read some of the things, it's like people don't know what happened, and and part of the purpose of this book. A pure history book was just to tell the story of this flag. So when you go to the Smithsonian today and you look at that flag, and it's you know it's it's like it's on an altar, and it, it, you're you're in awe of it. It didn't just get there by accident. There's a reason it's there. There's a reason we we revere it and we should revere it. And, and I think if the things I found makes me revere it even more, what it went through and how it survived and what how this, close this one family did. How close were we to losing it, in your opinion? Well, numerous times it could have been lost because because just with the family keeping it, they were just regular folks. They they didn't have any idea of flag preservation. The Armistead ladies, in fact, for a while, and this was commonplace back then, they cut off pieces of the flag and gave it as souvenirs. 
Now that we're aghast at that today. That was commonplace back then. So when you go to the see the flag at the Smithsonian, it's eight feet shorter than it used to be. And people sometimes <laughs> think that's battle damage. No, they kind of they gave it to battle veterans. It was just one of the conservatives that I know today. It's just we can't imagine them doing that. But it, it wasn't sacrilegious back then. That's what you did. They wrote on the flag. George Armistead himself. These things have faded, but signed it. But and you know they had it in a sack for most of the time. They didn't have any preservation techniques, but but they kept it. The most important thing was they kept it. And one of his grandsons even uh, for uh, he was uh, tired of people requesting the flag for events so late 1800s he locked it in a vault in new york city and no one outside the family saw it for 27 years that's what probably saved it it. was all these things did in their own way these folks working they but they had no idea what they were doing you know it was it was just it's almost inadvertent thankfully and then he donated it to the smithsonian early 1907 it's 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 been uh through a couple of rehabs, there was a there was a major rehab that they did early 2000s, which really has uh, will preserve it for the long term, and that was their goal. I mean, it was almost if you don't preserve fabrics uh, with all our modern techniques, you eventually they will fade away. But they think this is it will be hundreds of years now uh, that, that with the work that they've done. So when you go there, but you you look at it, I mean, it's really thin. It looks 200 years old. It's really thin. It has holes in it. One of the stars is missing. It's shorter than it used to be. But one of those folks there said when they were working on it, one of the conservators said, we viewed it as a metaphor for the country. Uh, It's tattered and it's torn, but it still survives. And the story really is a survival of the flag and the country. And that's what motivated us. And I read that and I thought, what a great quote. And that, that mm-hmm. motivated me as well to, to tell this story of, of why it's still there, you know, and, and which is why I chose that line from the anthem, our flag was still there as the title of the book, because it is still there. And because of the work that all these people did, kind of inadvertently working together, not even knowing each other, it's going to be there for, for many future generations. You said something that was interesting. You said that uh, it was Francis Scott Key that wrote uh, the song, correct? Yes. And you said he wrote it from a boat. I didn't know that. I thought he he wrote it uh, as the war we were losing the war. What was the story on that? No, no. He he, he was. Uh, it's it's an, he was out in the water near the British ships watching this battle. He there was a there was a, a, a few battles in Maryland. And some of the British soldiers, they arrested an elderly doctor from Maryland named Dr. William Beans, and his family hired Key to go and negotiate his release. Uh-huh. So Key took a boat, went out to, and found the British, finds them five days before the Battle of Baltimore, and they're negotiating, and he successfully negotiated the release, but they were... The British were planning a fight on a fight, battle, attack on Baltimore. They couldn't release him until after the battle. So they said, Key, you're going to stay on your own ship under guard here with us. And that's why he was out there. That's why he had that incredible perspective of the battle. And he wrote his song sequentially. His song is his experience of watching the battle. I, I tell yeah. people, and I wrote this in the book, he did not set out to write a national anthem. That wasn't his purpose. He was writing what he what he watched and experienced that day with that battle at Fort McHenry and then seeing the flag. And it was only 117 years later that it yeah. became officially the national anthem. Fascinating. Fascinating. So I have to ask you, you also sit on the board um, of a, of a Republican. This is Heinz, not the ketchup. You're talking about the senator. Correct from the 1800s. It's it's I'm not on board anymore, but it's it's a it's a uh, yeah, it's, it's Pittsburgh History Center. It's named for uh, for Senator uh, John Hines, who comes from the who comes from the Hines uh, ketchup family. 
Oh, but it does. It, it's it's named for him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's based in Pittsburgh, and it was based in Pittsburgh. Uh, and so they named the local. It's a it's the local historic center, and they named it after him. And is this this obviously is your area where you live, and where, do you still live in that area? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I'm from Pittsburgh. And is that is that part of the the reason you you then wrote your uh, your book prior to this flight ninety three? Well, it was yes because it was it was so close to where I lived. Right. And I was, as all of us who were alive, was so affected by 9-11. But that's less than 100 miles from where I lived. So we knew about Washington in, in, in New York City. But I would drive out to Shanksville and look at that empty field. And I got involved out there and started volunteering and realized that, you know, it's, that's the flight that, even though it's very patriotic, is almost forgotten. We know so much about New York and so much about the Pentagon. Yeah. And I just thought, nobody's going to write about this. So that was my first book. I wanted, I wanted to write and tell that story. And I was able to interview some family members. And it was uh, it was quite it was a completely different experience from this book. It was, it was quite emotional, as you can imagine, when you're writing contemporary history. Because people were alive and they remembered it. So it was yeah. – uh, but, but, yeah, you're, you're right. my proximity gave me access that I might not have, have had had I lived somewhere else. Now, Honey Bunny is my producer. She told me you did a radio show for a while. Is that right? I, I did. I, I worked in sports media. I was a writer. I did a radio show for a while. And then I went into uh, uh, media and communication. So, yeah, I, uh, it, it was funny when she, was, she talked about uh, listening to the commercials. I remember all of my guests having to do that and waiting for a guest. So uh, it's very familiar. It's, it's kind of fun to be on the other side now. You know, it's funny. I, I, I loved history all my life. I really did. And I was fascinated. I spent a lot of time in my mind wishing that I had been a part of an era that was 100 years before, 200 years before. Uh, do you think, as you too like, like history, do you think people are aware or that they should be aware that what we're living through now, although sometimes it feels like it's nobody ever did it before, this is the path of history. And every day is history. And eventually, uh, people will be writing about this era. And if people had that mindset that what they're participating in is actual history that one day some young guy or girl will look back and say, boy, what the hell was going on here? Don't you think that's an interesting perspective and more more people should have it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Throughout our country, if you look at all the ups and downs and all the crises that have happened, including the War of 1812 and the Civil War and, and all these things, and, and when you're going through it, you sometimes don't realize it's, it's historic. That's why these, so even with this flag, I think the family didn't realize the magnitude of what they had. They were keeping their father's heirloom. But absolutely, we've been through all sorts of, of these challenges from the, from the very beginning. Yes. And just the fact that, you know, we had a war so quickly after the Revolutionary War. That's all, almost nobody ever talks about the War of 1812, even though our anthem came out of it. Yeah. And research, you know, so we, we, we and that thing with the quote of the lady from the Smithsonian, uh, it's a metaphor for the country. It's about survival. The flag survives as the country survives. We always find a way. And I think that's kind of the message through all of these stories, if you, if you piece them together. So I think it's a good observation on your part. Well, Tom McMillan, I play it every Friday at the end of my show. I love the fact you wrote a book about it. Yeah, and, and you're more than welcome to come back at any time you write another book. I love the perspective of somebody like you who not only is a fan of history but makes it himself. I appreciate what you do. Thank you, Tom McMillan. I appreciate it. Sean, Sean, thank you so much. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. This is The Sean Thompson Show on AM560. 
The answer. AM560. The answer. Because the flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. I'm going to take this call because it's aggravating me as I'm reading it. And I'm very sympathetic. Scott in Schomburg. Hey, Sean. Hey, Scott. I called you a few months back saying after 30 years I was going to sell my auto repair business and move out of Illinois. Uh, but I didn't let the cat out of the bag to tell you the reason I'm doing this is I'm like you. I've been a political junkie for more than 25 years. Yeah. And out of the blue, I feel I got a calling from God that I need to run for political office. So I'm going to close on the sale of my business by the 15th of next month. And then I'm going to put together a campaign to run for the Republican nomination for president. Oh, wow. I've already, I've, I've already got the most important qualification. I follow the Sean Thompson show. <laughs> so I think that disqualifies the rest of them. I tell you, I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, listen. Uh, we want you to, to not, so you're selling it. You're not closing. Um, no, no, it's, I'm, I wanted to find somebody who is, you know, local and going to run it the same way I have been, keep my oh, employees and customers happy. Good, good, so, good. You know, I know I, I know I caught you off guard, but kind of hoping maybe Honey Bunny can take my information off the air and we can maybe talk some and you can get to know me and a little bit about my positions. And I'm hoping I can prove to you that, I'm a man of integrity that I can't be bought. And if I, I can do that, I'm, I'm hoping maybe you can help. I, I need some help getting together with the right people to put together a campaign that, you know, can help me get started. Brother, you give me too much credit. I'm the most hated guy by both parties. I want to start my own party. I want to get rid of the Republican Party. But I, I don't know if I'm an asset or a liability, but uh, neither does my wife. So hang on. We'll get your information. Uh, Dave in Racine, Wisconsin. Greetings, Sean. On your call, uh, Steve, from the previous hour, um, yeah. just, uh, well, uh, I was wondering if you ever heard of uh, Bob McDonald, who uh, was basically persecuted by... Um, I mentioned uh, it. Yes. I mentioned it. I didn't it. catch the whole call. Uh, so, no, Dave, um, do you know how few people even know about Whitewater and what a scandal Hillary Clinton was at Rose Law Firm? She was, was caught. Bill's bag man. Yeah, but she was caught shredding documents. That's why when she built her own server, she knew what she was going to do. She's been a but, traitor uh, you know, the, for, uh, for decades, people, man. Freedom of Information Act, you know, so that because she was probably doing uh, uh, her uh, foundation business on, uh, you know, uh, getting uh, and yeah. combining the State Department and her foundation, you know, collecting more money. Dave, she proves two things, Hillary Clinton. She proves two things unequivocally. When you are connected to the high powers in politics, you never really go to jail. And she proves the other fable that I have been saying for years. Beauty may be skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. 312-642-5600. Broadcasting from the Petri dish of corruption known as the state of Illinois. In the upper Midwest. In the nation and around the world. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. AM560. The answer. Wear your mask. Take your pills. Now a whole generation's mentally ill. It's an upsetting day. It's a very upsetting day. There's no question about it. It's coming to town. And Joe Biden, the dimwit in diapers, is giving speeches to, to, to really top off the aggravation Sunday. And the idiot claims he closed the deficit by 
1.7, as he's been doing forever, and it just is mimicked, imitated, and repeated by Pravda, American Pravda. And they always tip their hands, these gangsters, these short-in-the-pants gypsy frauds that they are. Addressing the existential threat of climate change in a real way for the first time. It is the existential threat to humanity. It is the existential threat to humanity. I hope I have no climate doubters out there, because it's real. That's how you know it's fake. That and the fact that these idiots have been wrong for 70 years. This earth is billions of years old. I hate to break it to you. And at the very least, hundreds of millions of years old. CO2 is the fundamental building block of photosynthesis. You have no perspective. Books have been written by real scientists that thousands, millions of years ago, it was five times what it is now. There were no Buicks. It had nothing to do with anything. And the earth was actually greener. These are imbeciles. And how much they've been wrong is almost how much they've been wrong about every policy they've ever had. This is a tool of deception, a tool of manipulation, a tool of fraud. At least eight times in the past million years, it has advanced and retreated with clockwork regularity. By the way, the data that they're using as the weapon is 130 years old, and that's it. The other information they have is from new science that goes down to the earth, of which, in all of our advances, we've only been down two miles. They don't know anything. They've recently found out in the last two and a half decades that the center of the earth changes from east to west to west to east every 70 years. What you have is weather. Nothing you do matters. Nothing. You're an ant on the ball that we still don't understand. If we are unprepared for the next advance, the result could be hunger and death on a scale unprecedented in all of history. What scientists are telling us now is that the threat of an ice age is not as remote as they once thought. During the lifetime of our grandchildren, Arctic cold and perpetual snow could turn most of the inhabitable portions of our planet into a polar desert. That was when Spock was selling us that we would be engulfed and go into another ice age. Oh, and now we've got satellite pictures. The ice is changing. It's all poppycock. They don't know their derriere from a hole in the ground, specifically this dimwit. Who would believe a word this lying whore has to say? And uh, the, uh, I apologize for having rescheduled yesterday. I had a lot of fun yesterday afternoon. We, uh, I had a little uh, big problem I took. He sounds like he died in January as well. Idiot. In the meantime, it's just another distraction weapon against your freedoms. They don't know what they're doing. We need to have uh, a realization that we've got a, about 35 years worth of oil left in the whole world. We're going to run out of oil. When Mr. Nixon made his famous uh, speech... By the way, this idiot's been dying for six fracking months. Why doesn't he run again in 2024? He's, he has twice the, the, the faculties that this idiot, they want you to believe, is president. The only way he got there was because he stole it. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Explains a lot. And in the meantime, he's circumvented our sovereignty to all kinds of assets of the Fourth Reich and the World Economic Forum and the UN. And by the way, 
this idiot from the UN, Antonio Guterres. What he wants to censor the internet for is because he doesn't like when people don't buy the schemes and the lies or point out how wrong they've been for 70 fracking years. Digital platforms are being misused to subvert science and spread disinformation and hate to billions of people. Let's talk about science. Let's talk about Mandy Cohen. We have breaking news right now at five. Big moves for former North Carolina Health Secretary Mandy Cohen. Reports now saying she has been picked to lead the CDC. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Steve Daniels. And I'm Lauren Johnson. Cohen was the state's guiding force through much of the COVID-19 pandemic. She stepped down from that role in November 2021 after nearly five years on the job. The Washington Post now reporting Cohen would replace Rochelle Walensky, who is stepping down on June 30th as the head of the CDC. The agency has been touted as a model for global public health. But as you know, it's come under fire for its slow response to the COVID pandemic. Sources tell The Washington Post President Biden is expected to make that formal announcement later this month. You can read more about Mandy Cohen's achievements at the State Health Department. By the way, every one of these Nazis that took away businesses that wouldn't allow sons to go see mothers die and vice versa, every one of these Nazis were dead wrong. And their vaccine, it's got a bit of a bit of a little problem. It really does. So we just see this ongoing uh, excess deaths in all these modern, sophisticated countries uh, that we uh, most of us live in and it's just um, it's just an ongoing disaster for uh, individuals and their families and yet we hear virtually nothing so I really hope that pretty soon I'll be able to come and say right excess deaths have gone down now uh, but they haven't they remain high and have done for 18 months on the whole that, that graph just shows it really quite nicely that's Dr. John Campbell the graph he points to shows that excess deaths then prior to the government's vaccine and the man-made pandemic are up between 18 and 22 percent. Breaking news. Donald Trump raises money on his not guilty plea. None of this. None of this is reported. In the meantime, it's censored like the Soviet fracking union and the apparatchiks of the Politburo. They get promotions like Mandy Cohen. Well, masks could be staying on a while longer in North Carolina classrooms. Wake Up Charlotte's Richard Devane joins us live. And Richard, top health officials saying COVID spread is still too high. In mo- I'm just playing this to prove how wrong she's been, Squirrel. By the way, did you have COVID? Huh? Not me. I had it twice. And you know what? I never missed a show. Two weeks, COVID shows. And nobody knew anything. I kicked its ass like it was a Democrat stealing my car radio communities for masks to come off, especially without a vaccine for kids. Absolutely correct. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good Thursday morning all. Basically, the uh, state health department has put out a guidance saying that there is a timeline for masks coming up or coming off. How did they get to that timeline, Squirrel? How did all of these technocrats, all of these science-based politicians... How did they come to the conclusions of the masks? So I would call, probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. 
she worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but you know, when she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional um, uh, football? And I was really like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, so, um, so uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or, or I'd be like, so when are you going to think about lightening up a mess? They're like, so like, next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. There's the think tank of fascists. That made all the rules that controlled not just your lives, but your kids' lives. Here you are, Mandy Cohen. I got your rules and your vaccine passport. I got it right here. I got it. Moron. Uh, Linda, Payless Heights. Hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for I just it. had a comment. You know, when Joe, Joe Biden was saying that climate change was an existential threat to humanity, I want to say that he is the existential threat. To humanity. He is in his um, mafia of bribed political whores who are front-running policies, making billions of dollars, and paying off the pimps that bought him in the Ukraine and in China. I agree with you 100%, Linda. That got you a t-shirt. Teresa, Gold Coast. Hey, Sean. You know, this climate change garbage is just like COVID. I mean, it's all about mental manipulation. It's all about control. I mean, I love the planets and the stars. I've been studying all of that for years because I'm really interested in it. Check out Jupiter and the Great Red Spot. It's changing all the time. Yes. Is anyone concerned about that? They know and nothing. Should we start something about that? They want to feel important, like they can do something. Right. They're ants, or really a better description would be cockroaches. Thank you very much yep. for the call. 312-642-5600. Marxists, socialists, and communists are not welcome. On the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Good pull, squirrel. In the meantime, there is real breaking news. Of course, it's not called breaking news. It's just an update. Turns out... Troops were hurt in Syria. Oh, how were they hurt? Oh, a helicopter. Another helicopter crash. They all happen to probably have bullet holes in them, but that's a helicopter crash. You never got the truth. What the hell are we doing there? We occupy a third of Syria. Of course, it's the oil fields. What the hell are we doing there? Uh, Busy. We're all over the Horn of Africa. 55 billion to slave masters and slave traders in Africa where slavery still lives, just like Saudi Arabia. Are we in Syria because Saudi Arabia wanted us in Syria? I mean, I know we're killing the people of Yemen because of it. And they're going to cut oil production and hurt Americans, right? This government is so fracking corrupt, it's never told the truth to you in the last 50 years. Not once. Not one policy. I'm sick and tired of it. Sick and tired of it. In the meantime, let's find out what the real threat is. Addressing the existential threat of climate change in a real way for the first time. It is. Hey, how much, what, is, what does it do when we give the Ukrainians, you know, the, the pretend Ukrainians, not the same Ukrainians that were killing their own people, the Ukrainians, the Azov Battalion, when we give the corrupt Ukrainian government weapons and they blow the hell out of everything. Is that bad for the environment? Hey, you, with the wet socks. Hey, dummy. It's the existential threat to humanity. It is the existential threat to humanity. Uh, the existential threat to humanity are corrupt governments around the world. And we're right there like a Siamese twin with the other most corrupt, Ukraine. Ron, South Elgin. Shunner, from one Viking to another, great show, as Thank always. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Odin's, Odin's wisdom says that 
the posting of the LGBTQ flag with the American standard to the left and to the right uh-huh. indicates that Obama, remember, Sean, Obama was the one who enacted all the stuff with the LGBTQ, with the Target stores, the whole nine yards. Obama likes big butts, and he cannot lie, but true. I think Obama likes other things, too, bro. Well, Ron, I hope you didn't have to pluck your eye out to get that information, but I do uh, I do like the way you think, kid, and uh, it's very tangible. But the other assumption that goes along with this is that homosexuals, for the most part, are happy with what they see this debauchery in our cities and this debauchery in our country. I don't know about you, but there's actually been homosexuals for uh, since the beginning. I'm related to some. I love some. I'm friends with some. I don't know a one, no matter what their sexual preference is. I don't know a one decent person who thinks this nonsense is normal. Not one. Steve and Elsip. Yeah, I just I heard the lady mention she's into the stars and astronomy and Jupiter and the red yeah. storm. And, you know, the reason why no one's worried about the red storm on Jupiter is because we don't live on Jupiter. It's not in our biosphere. So, you know, you guys who are. Oh, are I know, Steve. Our, hey, Steve, th- the good news is if there's a hole in the ozone, I hope it sucks your useless bust out ass up there. You're just a con artist moron democrat now you step and you fetch and you vote for these corrupt gangsters and you sit there with your hyundai or your prius and you pretend you're doing something you're a useless piece of dung like 90 percent of the welfare roaches why don't you throw yourself in the ocean of course you'll drown with all the oil that's let up from the bottom of the sea it has nothing to do with your car you're half the man your father was but you're the perfect woman for today's democrat party right Moron, you're useless. There is no climate change. None. And all of your activities mean guts on ghoul. Just like your legacy of your life. Bust out. Vote Democrat. Scourge and get yourself a welfare check. We'll be back. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now... With personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. As if... CWB Chicago, which is a news outlet, knew about my next guest. Eight years for a driver who struck three people while on probation for killing a woman with the same car just three years ago. This is the pattern when you live in these Democrat mafia hellholes, where predators have the protection of government and victims are irrelevant. In Chicago, 59 People have been killed by somebody out on probation who were in jail for murder. Gangs run the streets. They destroy the quality of life. And it's the same in New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and D.C. Name where there's a Democrat mafia in charge of governing, and you will name a ghetto. They have a simple philosophy, and that is to protect predators while victimizing good, decent people. My next guest is somebody who's a professor of criminal justice at John Jay College. His name is Barry Latzer. He's also the author of a book, The Myth of Overpunishment, A Defense of the American Justice System. And he's dropped a new article in The Federalist. How are you, Barry? 
I'm doing great. Great to be with you again, Sean. You too, Barry, but it's the same old, same old. And every Monday I come in, and every Monday I look at the statistics in Chicago, and it's now the norm to have at least 30 people shot, the mayhem. Mm. We have, a, we have a, a buffoon who's the new mayor, who's not much different than the old mayor, except he looks better in her clothes. However, it's the same policies, and the Kim Foxes of the world and the Soroses who invest in the collapse of societies, they seem to be winning. How do we turn this around, in your opinion? Yeah, the public needs to take back these prosecutorial offices, Sean. Uh, it's tricky in cities that are overwhelmingly democratic because the real fight is in the primary, not in the general election. Once the Democrat gets nominated, he wins. So the public has to wake up. The public has to participate in these primaries and get good, strong prosecutorial candidates to, to really go up against and defeat these, these uh, woke uh, prosecutors. Now, Barry Latzer, I happen to know what your legacy, I know what kind of a man you are, a professor, and I love your take on things. But there is an option B, and the reason I'm going to talk about this is because I did option B. And as I relocated to Florida, we have sheriffs in virtually every county that actually come out and do news conferences about the scallywags and scoundrels they not only arrest, but they guarantee will be removed from society. It's not just Florida. There's 20 states that uh, have an allegiance to the idea and the concept of law. This is primarily an issue in these Democrat-run states, and that is why there is a futility to a certain extent as you see the commingler's of corruption. For instance, I, I'm specifically talking about the Illinois Republicans who have sat there for five decades as this mafia built its stronghold and now has redistrict the state to where it's virtually impossible for a Republican to win. Um, so, so isn't the short term, if you had a daughter, say, and she said, Dad, I'm going to move to Chicago, what would you say? <laughs> Probably that's the last place you'll go. Actually, my daughter is kind of a, a left winger, so there you go. I just I didn't raise her right, I guess. No, but well, left wing is different than be this. You got to be careful in these big cities. You got to have your urban defense skills r running full time in these cities. I know I was raised in New York City during the worst of the of the crime years, so you have to be ready. But the public has to wake up, Sean. Come on, the oh. public has the chance to vote these guys out, to vote in real prosecutors, traditional prosecutors. I think the public can do it. I'm sorry to say this, but if crime goes up high enough in some of these cities, you will see a change. Well, you know, it's funny. I had a, I had a guy who probably is a decent guy, and, and I, I kind of liked him. And he had 18 years of uh, prosecutor experience in the city of Chicago, and he was, mm -hmm. we, were, we were bickering about evidence. And you think about the fact, um, I have a, a very close friend of mine, childhood friend, who went to work for the state's attorney in Illinois. I don't, I don't know if he's still there. We, we lost contact through the years. But I know that there are good people in these positions. But when the hierarchy is so politicized, isn't that really the problem? How do we get to a place where you could politicize justice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's where we are. I mean, that's what's going on. Why do these prosecutors believe all the falsehoods they believe? 
and they truly believe it. They're true believers. It's just amazing to me. Amazing that they get elected, too. And it's hard to understand. When you look at the facts, as I did in this book, The the Myth of Overpunishment, when you look at the facts, the realities, prisoners who are released, two-thirds of them have served no no more than two years. I mean, really, this is not the overpunishment system that the left is portraying. When you look at the facts and the realities of the system, it's hard to understand how these people can believe what they believe and even harder to understand how the voters could support them. This is really not something, I mean, it's something we haven't seen in America, but this is not something that has not happened throughout the world. In fact, it's commonplace. The more corrupt the the country, the more... uh, the more crime-ridden it is. I say this as as listening to stories from my grandfather, who was a descendant of an Italian citizen who fled for America for a better life because the government was as corrupt as the mafia. And in some cases, what happens is good people rise up and protect their neighborhoods. I really feel like that's the next step of what's going to happen in these Democrat-run areas, where Mm -hmm. guys are going to crop up and you're going to get a La Cosa Nostra only of of a vigilante strike. And they're going to start to mm. charge people to fight back against criminals. After all, they know who they are. Is that where we're headed, in, in your opinion? Is it possible that we head there where the very street gangs that destroyed the area are something the people turn to for protection? It's not impossible at all, Sean. I could remember in New York, we had this group called the Red Berets. They took it upon themselves to patrol the subways in New York City. And they were a vigilante group. Now, they were smart enough not to actually try and arrest people, but rather maybe to hold them for police or call the cops in. But they gave New Yorkers a sense of security, a sense that they did not have when they rode the subways. So, yeah, throughout American history, we've had vigilantes, not always the kind we like. That's what supported lynchings, too. But nonetheless... It's a part of American history, and it could happen again if the public has a sense that justice is not being served, that the system is no longer capable of punishing the guilty and freeing the innocent. Well, I think you can get vigilantism again. Barry, I'm, I'm so thankful that we're old, and I'll tell you why. When we grew up, there was a stigma against criminals. They weren't thought of as heroes They were rejected as scum. Criminals and drug addicts were rejected as scum. Yet George Floyd, who was both a criminal and a drug addict, is touted as a hero. Is that more of a representation of a forced moray of society? Or is that, in fact, the the tradition of America writ large? You did have these bank robbers in the late 19th century who tried to wear the mantle of the common man. And Dillinger. they tried, and yeah, well, no, before, well before Dillinger, back oh. in the 19th century. But, oh, but okay. you're talking about, you know, the, you're talking about the Depression era. Yeah. And those guys were also looked upon by some as heroes. Uh, you know, they were thumbing their nose at the system. They were taking on the banks. And, and many people said, well, good, good, good for them. So, you know, there is something of, of that tradition, but of course, street muggers who mugged the average guy 
were never worshipped as heroes. They never were acclaimed and applauded because everybody knew that any ordinary person could be victimized by them. It's those who take on the big banks, the, 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 you know, the, the elites, the, mm -hmm. the power structure, those are often viewed as, as heroes. And among African-Americans, for instance, Malcolm X was viewed that way, taking on, taking on the, 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 the white power structure, as he, as he did put it, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, we have that tradition, too. But usually it's, ne it's not going to apply to street thugs. As a professor, um, when you see police unions, I'm going to tell you what I found astonishing and really kind of stole any kind of optimism I had for, for Chicago in particular, which at one time was a phenomenal city. When I worked, I worked there for 30 years every day. I loved it. As a kid growing up, I absolutely loved it. And there was always that wink and a nod of what is called in Chicago clout. And it's a political corruption that's open, where the guy who drives your car off knows it and the accountant who does your taxes knows it. But now at this stage, there was something fascinating happened. The police union, which is policemen are under assault. I mean, I have a nephew who's a Chicago cop. I tell him, don't even get out of the car. It's not even worth it. And I don't think I have to tell him that. They know that. And the prosecutor, they go after police, and the mayor goes after police. Yet the FOP union did something I never thought I'd see. They donated money to those very politicians, those Democrats. When you have this, this acceptance of political corruption, isn't this just the destination? And it's really not as bad as it's going to get if we don't start to change the way police view politics. Because as I talk to you, Eight out of ten Chicago coppers, they're going to vote Democrat regardless of who's running. So isn't that another mm -hmm. issue of hoisted by your own petard of corruption, of accepting it in the first place? Sure is, because once you have this kind of support for a single party in any jurisdiction, in any city, you're asking for trouble. Because once that party becomes corrupt in the broad sense of the word, right, they look the other way at problems. They ignore problems. It's going to be hard to manage your city. You're going to find that the competitive city is the better city. It's the better run city. At least you could throw the current rascals out. If the police uh, uh, ben uh beneficent organizations are now supporting that same party, well... That's kind of amazing. They're asking for problems. They're asking that they not be supported in return by the yeah. political structure. You know, it's often that they blame the gun. In Chicago so far this year, we got 1,261 people shot. Not a one of those guns was purchased legitimately. Not a one of the scallywags that held the gun bought it honestly. Yet they will use their failure as a weapon against the honest citizen in florida in two weeks nobody needs concealed carry nobody you just carry like you were an actual american it's fascinating yet we already have the highest amount of people with concealed carries and we have a significantly lower crime rate when i come into the studios over the weekend i monitor the shootings barry it's horrific one-year-old kids mm -hmm. infants old men, retired honest men, students that were decent, trying to get ahead. 
as you see this collapsing in society, is there going to be a victim that's important enough for the facts to matter? Well, again, you're putting your finger on a real issue, and that is there are different gun problems. There's the problem of the long gun in somebody's home and the man who snaps and, and uses it against his own family. There's the problem of the guy who's just mentally disturbed, gets hold of a gun and shoots up little children in a school. And then there's the problem of the city streets where the handguns are often, as you say, illegally obtained. And you have these gangs running around shooting at one another or shooting up innocent people. And this is a different gun problem. In New York, of course, you know, they tried stop and frisk. They tried to get the guns off the young guys before they had a chance to use them. And, of course, there was a racial problem with the enforcement and it led to a huge blow up and the courts eventually shut the policy down but we need policies to handle the handgun problem both legal and illegal in the big cities that's the biggest cause of deaths by firearms in this country i remember reading somewhere i can't remember where i'm searching my brain as you're talking but um it was a quote that um law is only for a society that has the character to demand it. I'm starting to see that um, these Democrat areas do not have the character to demand law. They're afraid of it. They would rather circumvent it. They would rather be in the mafia than see the mafia torn down. At what point do you think you, you, you call it and say, okay, this is beyond saving? Or, uh, you know, for the meantime, for the safety of your family and your friends and or do you still hold out hope against hope that we can teach people who would allow their 13-year-olds to be out at 3 o'clock in the morning that they're going to somehow come to their senses? What is your, in your mind where you say, okay, I've had enough and I'm, I'm out of here? Well, I'm, I guess I'm more optimistic than you, Sean. You're taking pessimism pills. You really think the country well, I'm is from Chicago. down the tubes. Yeah, well, when these Democrat areas, you know why, Barry? Um, we have known open and notorious gangsters that are not mm. kids on the street selling. These are politicians, and everybody knows it. And I'll never forget, I went, I went back recently, and I, I have to go back again. And there was a guy who, who I could see, you know, he came to, to see me. I have a cigar store. He came to see me, and I could see that, you know, he, he had a life where he w w didn't take advantage of, of all the reading and education, whatever the case is. He didn't have a wonderful career. But he was from the south side of Chicago, and he's like, well, you know, if you want to get ahead, you got to play ball. And I thought to myself, when you adopt that, game over. Because if you can't stand up for what's right, and you as a good person think, I have to go along with it in order to survive, you're like Sicily. It's over. <laughs> so that's why I, I have no. pessimism for those areas. But I'm telling you, I also have the benefit of living in a law-abiding state. And that's the optimism. And what I try to do, this show in Chicago, you know, my boss gets mad at me. I tell him, listen, if you're a lifelong Democrat and you like that, this is not for you, babe. You're not going to like it here. What I want to do is take the good people and say, there is an option. And you don't have to risk your kids and the future of your investment in real estate or whatever the case is in hoping it'll turn around. Sooner or later, you have to, even if you can't leave, you have to make it so your grandkids can leave. Even if you don't have grandkids.
But at a certain point, you have to recognize when the, the, it, there's a futility in resisting when your neighbor accepts. Well, I'll tell you this, Sean. You're on to something about leaving because, in fact, the latest demographic studies are showing that a lot of people are fleeing the big cities and a lot of people are going to Florida. So yeah. you're, you're not entirely wrong. Obviously, a bunch of folks are giving up on the Northeast and, and Midwest of the United States and well, heading pro- south. Well, Professor Barry Letzer, to let you know I'm not completely altruistic, I also own a real estate company. If you'd like to purchase some property in Southwest Florida, call Liberty Real Estate. <laughs> in the meantime, when I want to read from a good professor about criminal justice and the rule of law, I go to Barry Letzer. Lancer, excuse me. And you're writing in the Federalist, I see. But I also like yes. the book. I'm a big fan of the book, and you know that. Mm. Uh, do you have mm. anything else coming out? Yeah, I'm working on some other things. In fact, I'm just reading a, a book on rogue prosecutors by my friends over in the Heritage Foundation. And yeah. uh, I'm going to write a review of that book, too. It's not published yet, but it will be soon. Her but I'm is... very happy... With the myth of overpunishment, it's laid out some arguments that need to be made and, and need to be reckoned with. I am. And when your next book starts, her name is spelled F-O-X, first name Kim. That might want to be chapter one. Two X's? Is it two X's? Uh, it doesn't matter. And you know what else? I like the story where she beats up her husband, because I think he deserves it, too. In the meantime, you deserve to have people buy your book. Thank you so much, Professor, for coming on. I truly appreciate it. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank Thank you. you. We'll be back with your calls and comments. This is the Sean Thompson Show, where Democrats are always wrong, Republicans are seldom right, and politicians are never, ever to be trusted. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. I'm still annoyed, Squirrel, with that climate nonsense from this dust machine, this moron disintegrating before our eyes called Joe Biden. And uh, when I was talking to Professor Barry Latzer, I was reminded of a story that came out uh, this morning on the news. Val and Tanya, we just arrived on scene here and are trying to piece together exactly what happened. Take a look behind me. We are near 69th and Low Avenue. This happened around 3.15 this morning. It appears a Chevy sedan hit a fire hydrant at a high rate of speed here in the Englewood neighborhood. The car, according to Chicago police, was stolen. Five teenagers were all taken to local hospitals. A 13 year old boy and a 14 year old girl were taken to Comer Children's Hospital. Three other young girls ages 13 and 14 years old were taken to Stroger Hospital. Now all of the victims are listed in critical condition. 345 in the morning. They're 13 years old. They're in a stolen Chevy. 13 years old. Police say a weapon was recovered here from the scene. The major accidents unit is now investigating. Meanwhile, it's unclear which teen was behind the wheel. It's also unclear whether they were being chased or not. Again, this just happened. 13 years old, stolen car and a gun. 345 in the fracking morning. I got an idea. Let's pay him. A basic income guarantee is a program strongly supported by Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson. And today the mayor spoke at the second day of the annual basic income guarantee conference held this year here in Chicago. Basic income guarantee conference. So you get paid 
to be a sloth, to be a moron, to be an idiot, to be a loser. That's how you build a strong Democrat party. We are ushering in a more dynamic, prosperous economy by giving people a guarantee that their lives have meaning. Or, or moron that you are, that you were making, what, 190000 a year between your two phony jobs at Cook County and the phony teacher, and you couldn't pay your frecking water bill, you bust out. Or what you're doing is giving people a little pocket change to buy guns. You ever think of that, dummy? Drugs, mayhem. One thing's for certain, takes at least $190,000 to get a Democrat to pay his water bill. Cream Puff Jim, how's your water flowing? Yeah, hey. Yeah, I was yeah, worried like, about yeah, the, the water's falling like your prostate was involved. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The president's bet, that bet parking is garage. I wonder if they ever checked the VIN number on that. I wonder if there was a title, uh, transfer title. Did he buy that cash or Don't what? Don't you know about how that? Many, uh, no, no, well, what, how, many, how, many, how many documents could you stuff in a glove compartment of a vet? Yeah. What's the trunk space on a vet? I well, here's the thing. Is. There's two vet stories I love with Joe Biden. And not, do you know about okay. the two vet stories? First of all, the vet he has, his pappy bought it for him. He was a bust out and never bought anything in his life. But my favorite is when he smashed the vet of the husband of his now tramp wife. Did you ever hear that story? See, he, in the, in his car oh, it's the best story. I can't believe you didn't hear this. Would you do me a favor and no, Google this? You call back no, tomorrow. I I and if I I'm wrong... I'll I give you a 5 I have to go to the Jewel and ask somebody with a smartphone. Anyway, when, you go to, when you go to the Jewel, does your old truck come and pick you up so you can load it up, you big tub of goo? <laughs> the two vet stories I really like are, number one, the, the vet that he now has, which, by the way, is an awesome car. But my favorite is Jill's husband's Corvette. You see... He was fooling around with Jill when she was married. Oh, it's a very well-known story. In fact, honey, buddy, let's look up to her, Jill's first husband. He wrote a book about it. And in the book, he uh, was at work one day. He got a call. He said, listen, are you, are you ever going to pay up for the accident you got in with your Corvette? He said, what are you talking about? See, Joe Biden, when he was stooping Jill, when she was somebody else's wife, got in an accident because he drives like he governs, like a moron. He drives by sound. He got out and told the guy he was her husband. The guy had his license plate. Joe said he'd call him, took his number, never called him because he's a lying, thieving roach. So the guy tracks down the license plates, calls the real owner. That's how she became Mrs. Biden. You want to talk about shameless, like that Showtime show these gypsies are. Uh, Wes, Northwest Indiana. Hey, Sean. I uh, love you, love your show. Frequent caller. Okay, okay. But, uh, right. The interesting thing about uh, the two teenagers in the vehicle since in the news report, it says they cannot determine which child was driving. Five teenagers. Five. And they there were five. can't charge either one of them. Yeah. Well, there were five. It doesn't matter if they charge you. What if the big deal? They, ch they charge you for stealing a car in Chicago. You'll be buying juicy fruit next morning at 8 a.m. Thank you, Wes. Robert in Bloomingdale. Hey, Sean. They just needed a car to rent. They were planning on giving it back. That's no, ghetto rideshare is carjacking. It's called ghetto rideshare. But go ahead. Yeah. Hey, listen, I, I wanted to say, good for um, the uh, candidate for running for president under Indian descent. I hope I get it right. Rosh Hashami standing up for President Trump today and giving a nice speech in his behalf. And what I have to say is, everybody out there, back President Trump. we got to get rid of Biden. He's an incompetent idiot, and he needs to go. What do you think? I think you make my ears hurt. It was Ramaswamy. Vivek oh, Ramaswamy. Sorry. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I also know you're talking to us in a robe, a short robe with no pants on. 
In the meantime, let's hear another ghetto ride share story. I like these. A criminal trial is underway for three men accused of shooting and killing a longtime Chicago firefighter during a bungled carjacking. Dane Placco reports one of the members of that carjacking ring is now testifying against the others. The family of retired firefighter Dwayne Williams walked solemnly through the Layton Criminal Courthouse on the first day of his alleged killer's trial. Yes, Squirrel, I'm playing this because I want the people to hear the kind of slime slip-and-fold defense attorney Chicago produces. The 65-year-old Williams was a retired lieutenant with the Chicago Fire Department, was just about to go back to work for the city at the Office of Emergency Management. In December 2020, Williams was walking out of a popcorn shop at 117th and Western when four young men jumped out of a car and tried to carjack his red Jeep. Williams had a concealed carry permit, pulled out his gun. Multiple shots were exchanged and Williams was shot in the abdomen and later died. Now standing trial for his murder are Devin Barron, Dwayne Johnson and Jalen Salisbury, each charged with first degree homicide. No, it's not the rock squirrel. And this is the star witness for prosecutors, 18-year-old David Williams, who was part of that carjacking crew, but was charged as a juvenile and agreed to testify against the others after serving six months in a juvenile detention center. But defense attorneys for the three defendants slammed Williams during cross-examination. Well, I refer to him as a thug. He's self-admitted car thief uh, since the age of 15. David Sotomayor... But... But your clients, they're victims. He kidnapped them, right, Counselor? Counselor Slimy? Presents defendant Salisbury and questions whether the star witness Williams can even remember what happened. Uh, he's also admitted that he was high in ecstasy during the period of time of the commission of this crime. Well, that just makes him qualified to sit on the board of Burisma. That doesn't mean anything. So it's my position that he was given a great offer to come by and testify. That's what I like about Democrat counselors. You give this guy enough money, he'll eat a banana and drop off a fruit salad. What else can I get you to do? Here's 500. Take your clothes off and do a jumping jack. Come on, whore. 312-642-5600. He believes in freedom, capitalism, and individual liberty. And because of that, he's become an enemy of the state. He's Sean Thompson, and this is The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Hey, let's go, Brandon. I keep the drum like I'm Nick Cannon. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. I'll tell you what, we'd be better off with Jimmy Carter. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. He was a lot more, he, he, he was a moron and a fraud, but he wasn't a traitor. Joe Biden is a traitor. An absolute traitor. Mr. Abate, I'd like to have you describe for me the process and procedure that the FBI should normally follow when receiving criminal allegations from a trusted FBI source that an office holder engaged in bribery. For example, if the allegations include reference to evidence that would prove or disprove the bribery scheme, would standard procedure, uh, operating procedure require the FBI? Would help. It would help, Squirrel, if he didn't sound like he was born in 1843. Uh. FBI to seek out that evidence. Uh, Senator, in in any instance where we receive information, an allegation uh, or a complaint, you know, we apply the standards on the attorney general guidelines and our uh, our diog. Uh, Do you about that? You know, you've had the letter, you've had the laptop. You're a fraud. You're a fraud. Russell. Exactly, Tony Soprano. Sharon DuPage. 
Hey, Sean. How you doing? Splendid. My husband and I, we, we were driving back from Wisconsin and heard your uh, guest talking about the War of 1812 and the flag. Yes. And it brought back memories. Uh, my husband has family living in Baltimore, and about five years ago, in November, around Veterans Day, we went out to visit. And one of them suggested, let's go see Fort McHenry. And I never thought, you know, much about it. Okay, you know, 1812, you kind of... So it was unbelievable. I would recommend highly, you, any listeners, if you ever have a chance, it's such an interesting little place, and the stories behind it, um, because not only the one about Scott uh, Francis Scott Keyes on the British mm-hmm. ship writing the national anthem, uh, there was also, they wanted Baltimore so badly, they had the British Army uh, on land trying to draw the troops away from the city, the British residents or British Baltimore residents actually came out of their homes and were digging trenches to fight in to fight the British. Yes, I mean it was. It, it was. Thank just God it happened then versus now. Yeah, we'd be running at them with miniskirts, and that's where we really started with uh, the kind of warfare that was uncommon, where you had regular people killing the troops, and they were killing them from mm-hmm. from the bushes. They were attacking them in a way they weren't yeah. used to fighting, and thankfully we did that because I was never going to pretend that uh, there was anything like a royal family. After all, my parents uh-huh. aren't cousins, like in Saudi Arabia. But Sharon. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for calling. And I'd much rather go there than the sewer of corruption known as Washington, D.C., where only a gypsy fraud like Joe Biden and his trash family could exist. Addressing the existential threat of climate change in a real way for the first time. It is the existential threat to humanity. It is you the are. existential threat to humanity. I hope you are and traitors like you are a threat to humanity, to liberty. And I'd really like to know so much more about the pandemic, about your involvement in Ukraine that's getting all our money. All right, squirrel, I said it. I know you like to play it. I wonder if the $5 million at least threw a party. Because I'll tell you what, that Hunter Biden scumbag, the Tute scumbag, but from the looks of it, it looks like he really partied like it was the 80s and he was on Wall Street, didn't it, squirrel? We'll be back in 21 hours to expose this mafia and kick its teeth in. In 21 hours. Don't just have a great night. Have an American night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.